right. This is Empires of the Future, looking at the church in a time of change. And we, we have to start with an apology because... It's been a few weeks. It's been a few weeks. Uh, so two weeks ago, you were on vacation. Yes, I was in uh, Destin, Florida. Right. Yeah, I wasn't thinking anything about podcasts. <laughs> yeah. And then I had a sickness in the family last week. Uh, and I guess we'll have to figure out some way to let folks know that, you know, because who knows what everybody thought happened. <laughs> if you're keeping up with us, then, man, sorry, because <laughs> you're going to have a hard time. <laughs> People are like, we got a lot of other things to watch and listen to. Yeah, no kidding. We didn't no think kidding. about it. Yeah. No kidding. Um, so we're back. But yeah, so you had a little bit of a scare. Right. You know, and I mean, it doesn't take much to be a scare. We had a, one of my boys had a little bit of a fever and I had some congestion. And uh, if, if anyone doesn't know uh, anything from no symptoms to uh, anything that looks like seasonal allergies or a cold uh, up through the worst symptoms you can imagine could be COVID-19. And so we got tested and we're all negative. And uh, so there's that. But you kind of take a week yeah, off when I've you have that too. right now. Yeah. You have. So no, no running, no working, just right. at home. And what was your, uh, what, how'd you pass the time? Oh, goodness. How did I pass the time? All right. You got this, uh, my older son loves Minecraft. We did some of that. Uh, <laughs> I tried to read and keep up. We, we sent back and forth a few articles. And so uh, we've been reading in the meantime. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm up on... Amazon Prime movies and Netflix and Facebook, you know, all the things that we're doing. I didn't pass the time in any sort of admirable fashion, I can tell you that. Did you, uh, <laughs> did you uh, have you checked out the new NBC streaming, Peacock TV? I know, I don't know about yeah, this. Yeah, it's free. Okay. Yeah, so they've got, uh, I feel like NBC stuff. I, I guess yeah. I do. I mean, I mean, the office will be there in January. I okay, believe. I have uh, all the seasons exclusively on already. Okay, so you're you're good. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've gotten into Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, which, to be honest with you, is more high school drama than football. Okay, I, I would like more football. Well, yeah, and they would prefer more drama, I guess, uh-huh. as the show. So, uh, so yeah, that's been a little bit of uh, my uh, Peacock TV. So, if you haven't checked out Peacock TV, you can. Watch it for free. There's some movies. I think Jurassic Park is exclusively streaming on Peacock TV. Okay. Two and three. So. I also have that on DVD. So yeah. So if you're <laughs> anyone who actually owns these movies, like right. these streaming services, have nothing for you. Like, <laughs> that's I've got like a hundred movies on DVD, on DVD that are far better than the streaming that's options right. on. This is my honest. That's Netflix. my goal. All right. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I want us to give a roadmap for today because it's there's a lot of things, um, but but our our big theme is cancel culture. Yeah, and and whatever anybody thinks about cancel culture, uh, you and I have talked about this already some as we've been running and, and uh, have lunch and stuff. And then um, cancel culture itself covers so many different uh, realms and areas of thought and ideas that uh, we'll run a few different directions. But the general, uh, we got three different articles we're looking at. And it's 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 a great rundown because we've got one that is pretty macro, pretty high level, talking about what's happening in our world, so kind of political focused. And then the second article is focused on a, a school uh, mm-hmm. and how cancel culture is really the most alive probably at schools and the most obvious in yep. its functioning. Yep. Um, but then uh, the last article really, it, I think, is the clearest article Um because it gives talking points about cancel culture. And, and that's, to me, the thing that's needed the most is clarity about yep. what cancel culture is and um, what 
what it's about mm-hmm. when someone gets, quote, canceled, which is uh, also meaning uh, deplatformed or run out of their job or uh, no longer listened to. Right. Uh, is yeah, what that I means. liked how in this, this article in the New York <clears throat> Times, it presents a lot of diff- like definitions and what is cancel culture. I like how it said, like, you know, if you're heckled, you haven't been canceled. That's right. <laughs> if you've lost your job, you've been canceled. I like how they, they really, I think people could say, oh, I was canceled. Yeah, someone said something mean to you on Facebook. Right. That's not canceled. Right. But that that's a, a good place to start, yep. I think. So. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, I'm ready, if you're ready, to jump right into it, given that this is a big one, a lot of different uh, directions. Um, so you have here uh, a Wall Street Journal op-ed by a fellow named Daniel Schwamenthal. And Schwamenthal. as they say back where I'm from, he ain't from around here. Uh, <laughs> He's not from Southern Illinois. I never knew a Schwamenthal. Uh, so he is Straight in... from Brussels. Brussels. <laughs> Brussels. Right? I can't say that well. <laughs> uh, from Brussels and writing uh, that... I think this is predictable that people uh, across the pond would be concerned uh, about what is being... Uh, what is happening here in this country? Yeah. Um, it, this is great because he gives clarity about why they are concerned, why people are concerned and should be concerned sure. about what's happening yeah. uh, in our country. Um, and so uh, he says, the world is concerned about tribalism uh, as it should be, but then tribalism is increasing to so. illiberalism is yes. what uh, they're calling it. What is illiberalism? What is it? Illiberal, you know, the word liberal is always a word that's kind of for, for you know, in, in the political spectrum, especially if you're from the South, it's always a dirty word, right? Mm. Uh, they're liberal, and you use that word, you kind of throw it around, but classical liberalism is America, right? Uh, right. Freedom of speech, the, the freedom to assemble, like these mm-hmm. are liberal values, right. and um, right now, especially when it comes to free speech, um, it's, it is being threatened. Um, and that's a lot of cancel culture is is this idea that freedom of speech is dying mm-hmm. um, in America and um, in, in America being able to have a free press to for even us as, as Christians and pastors to be able to uh, preach the gospel and preach the Bible the way that we uh, see that we need to and the culture can't say well you can't say that that's against what we believe politically or this I think that is liberalism mm-hmm. and so this idea of illiberalism is this push against the freedom to, to speak, the freedom to assemble together and, and, and hold a position that may not be popular. Yeah. Um, and that is, you know, that is America. You know, I think you know, and there was a debate, and I know this wasn't necessarily in the article, but it actually is in the picture that's burning the United States flag. In the United States, you have the, the, the right to burn an American flag. That's right. Um, and some of well, you shouldn't be able to do that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't burn an American flag. But... The, the American flag or the American society and nation gives you the right mm-hmm. to express that speech. Right. Right. Um, and an, an, an illiberal view is, is, is to have a law that says you can't yeah. burn that flag. Yeah, and we are, it seems coming down to f- foundational questions about what sorts of things should be allowed. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not, uh, I am happy to ask foundational questions, 
Um, what is, I would say, the major concern uh, would come to, uh, I think, what we call the marketplace of ideas. It yes. seems that we are asking foundational questions, and then people are being told, now before you try to answer mm-hmm. this foundational question that I'm about to ask you, let me tell you what answers you can't say. Right. And that's where people really get concerned. Yeah. Because we, I mean, uh, so, so liberal, just like you said, it, classically liberal, means things like, Marketplace of ideas, freedom of expression, uh, liberal in the sense of open-mindedness. Mm-hmm. And while I don't know if there's anyone uh, of much substance out there who would say, oh, no, uh, we want to shut down free speech. Um, when you move the discussion to go, well, tell me about hate speech, though, and tell me about mm-hmm. s- some, some of these other questions, there definitely are discussions people would have. And, and so it's, it's to the point that there is a concern about uh, free speech. There is a concern about the marketplace of mm-hmm. ideas, freedom of expression, mm-hmm. having a fair hearing mm-hmm. for ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what we want to start talking about today because that's, that's what is, that is what is pertinent in, in when you talk about cancel culture. Right, and, you know, just thinking through this, you know, in America, the the home of Facebook, the home of Twitter, the home of Instagram, all these social media uh, platforms where people can express themselves, those platforms would never have been created in Soviet Russia. They never would have been created in Mussolini's Italy or Hitler's Germany. It never would have been created in the current China, Chinese uh, country as well. And I would say even the Middle East, you know, mm-hmm. very, you know, very centralized, very um, tyrannical and dictatorship type type nations, where where the centralized power determines what is said and what is printed and what is shown on television and what is shown on the radio, and you know, we live in a in a society that builds platforms that give the the someone who's no one's ever heard of the opportunity to speak and to talk and to publish and stuff yeah. and to post a video yeah. of their rant about whatever. And that's that's America. That is the uh, the place where you have the freedom to do so. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there is, I think, you know, and I think especially with with some of these social media platforms, they're put into a situation where they're people are expecting them to control speech mm-hmm. um, and say, well, this group shouldn't be able to speak on your platform or this group shouldn't be able to post an ad on your platform. Right. And I think these social media platforms, including YouTube, doesn't really know how to respond to this because they want the, the system is supposed to be an open source system. Yep. And I think there these illiberal views or, or threats are just saying, you need to control this because those speeches are harmful to me or they're harmful to another group. And that just doesn't vibe a lot in, in an American culture that gives you the freedom to publish and say what you what you believe, what you think, even yeah. if it is wrong. I think that pushes us. Two things that you've said are already pushing us toward, uh, I think, a principle that we can agree on and that uh, I would certainly um, like to put forward that everybody ought to agree on that we have got to do a better job of defining our terms Yes, and being tighter about... The words that we use, meaning what we say, saying what we mean, especially when you talk about words like hate speech. Mm-hmm. What is hate speech? Yeah. Um, what is what is hate, hate, hate speech? Or I don't know if the federal yeah federal government states have actual laws against using certain words either pub- in and a that's, published 
platform or yes everybody brings up you can't yell fire in right. a crowded theater okay we we understand things like that and then uh certainly there are things that we agree uh the n-word is not a word that right. people should be using right. but even when you take that first step away from the burning uh the yelling fire in a burning theater it is right now uh not congruent uh that uh, that basically in our country if you are in a medium like gangster rap, nobody's going to call you out no. for using the N word. Right. But meanwhile, uh, someone else will. Well, you just can't. That's untenable. You can't hold that. Right. Uh, because if the rules aren't equal, right. the rules can't be followed. Right. And this is where we begin to have disagreements. But at the same time, it, the reason this has to be our first step that that terms have to be defined and then equal is that that's, that's how rules work. Right. You, you have to have clarity in terms right. of what they mean. I mean, if you read any law, it is about using clear terms and then applying them equally. Right. And, and we have to start there. That's, that's how society operates. And so uh, we have to, to begin there because if you don't begin there, if the terms aren't clear from the start, you begin to move on down the line as far as... Um, well, the question of what is harm, people are moving today to say, well, harm could be if you say something offensive to me, then you've harmed me. Or you've been violent to me. We've That's right. That before, yeah. And, and okay, now, we, we say dumb things. Oh, yeah. Sticks and stones. May break my bones. my bones, but words will never... Okay, yeah. we can clarify beyond that that's not true in a certain right. sense. Sure. absolutely. Um, but legally speaking... Right. Uh, it is true. Right. And, uh, and so we're in a place where we've shaken down the foundations and we begin to, to ask these foundational questions. Um, but I think one of the things that uh, we arrive at from the start here is we have to define our terms clearly. Otherwise, yeah. you can't even have a conversation. Right. Uh, you can't. There is no conversation to be right. had. Right. And, 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 and especially now, I think, you know, I know we're going to get into this a little bit with the New York Times article, but, you know, uh, there's so much, there's so much fluidity, and, and terminology, and you know now we have the the pronoun war and yep, yep. pronouns used. It's almost becoming more difficult to have a we'll call it civil conversation, mm-hmm. right? Because if we're going to define civil as using proper terms that don't harm people, then it's difficult to even know have you did you get the memo on what terms are proper and sure. what terms aren't? Um, and I think that that makes that makes life difficult, and it's. And I think it. Cre- I think what one of the issues is is it creates so many dividing lines yep. that you it actually you become more tribal, mm-hmm. as as I think there's an attempt to try to protect people, uh, an attempt to uh, remove any type of a terminology that is has been used in the past that is quite harmful. But there are people that have no intentions to try to harm anyone. They have no intentions to try to even be disrespectful to anyone. But use a word or use a term or use a phrase that they didn't even know was offensive. Sure. And someone can say that it's offensive, and then the person didn't even have the intention to do so. Yep. Um, they thought they were speaking honorably. They thought they were speaking right. in a civil way. And, and, and if, you, if you don't have, even if in a certain community doesn't have like a, a pretty basic understanding of what is a civil, like words and phrases used. If there's mystery, we have some serious problems. Sure. Uh, because you can't 
have a society if you can't communicate in an effective way. Right. And so it would be one thing if uh, there was some set of new rules that had been agreed upon by various respected uh, authorities, and then we're all having to walk around going, okay, I guess we know how to use the internet. I guess we know how to use social media. Okay, that doesn't exist. But not only does it not exist, as, as people seem to be beginning to enforce new rules, there's no guidebook anywhere, and the terms aren't even clear. Right. So if you want to talk about things that we're getting close to, which are th- Orwellian ideas like thought crimes, right. what's your top? Motive means an opportunity. Yeah, right. You don't even have to have the motive for a thought crime to happen. Yeah. Um, but before we get too far down this road, why does this matter? This guy talks about it, and, and from... Uh, his distance, he says, here's the issue that I'm concerned about. When America sneezes, the world gets a cold, mm-hmm. and his assessment is, right now, America has pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And that's debatable how bad this is. You can certainly see by the media coverage we've been dealing with that the situation in our country is not great. Uh, yeah, it is, it is, it, we're in a dangerous place. Uh, I, like many others, am waiting until there's going to be a first step in November that we're going to see where our country is after the next presidential election. But then I expect we're going to see uh, some major moves over the next few years to shore up the foundations of our country and uh, to answer some of these pressing questions because uh, I know that major institutions have noticed the problems that are happening, and there will be some smart people working on this. But in the meantime, uh, you know, you and I, uh, we are here primarily for the church, yeah. and the church has to deal with yeah. these issues, and so that's where we are today. And I think, you know, uh, America is so, so complex. Like, when I, when I lived in Sweden for a year, you know, Swedish culture is Swedish culture, right? There's a certain way about things. Like, there's a certain posture. There's a certain way of carrying yourself. There's a certain... Even the way you spend your money is very Swedish, right? America, there is none of that. And I think, uh, as we say, politics is local. Mm -hmm. Different local communities deal with these issues far Mm -hmm. different. And I think we tend to generalize America and say, well, what's happening in L.A. and New York is happening everywhere. And it's just not the case. Right, right, right. Uh, Even like Evansville, like we had a few of the Black Lives Matter... um, protest here but it's not happening every day like in and seattle as far, and, yeah and, and as far as i understand it, any protest was largely peaceful, yeah, peaceful uh, there yeah. was an issue i think we mentioned on the last podcast that one of the leaders of the protests uh was arrested because of a late night rant yes. that was clearly off base right um but anytime there's been property damage that even attempted in evansville it's been shut down pretty quickly yeah. as in my opinion it should have been and i know and yeah and louisville peaceful protests are good and louisville's had more protests but i don't you know yeah they had that horrible accident where that girl that young girl was killed and i think that's created a lot of issues and that's unfortunate and it's really sad but i think you're not seeing what's happening in seattle and portland and even louisville sure. um and i think i think america is so there's it's so there's so so much complexity. There's yes. fifty different states with yes. million different issues in all these different yes. states and stuff. And and I think America needs to kind of take a breath. And I think the issue, I think they need to move away from the television, move away from yes. their phones, and have a have a conversation. I have we have talked with a lot of people uh, on campuses, and I have never never offended anyone mistakenly. Right, and, yes, and I've never and even been told that I've said anything. What I typically have done is always, 
I knew someone who was um, kind of into transgender, and we were we were friends, and we talked. And I would always ask questions like, "Well, you know, what do you think about this? Or how yeah. how should I respond to that?" And it was always very good and very civil. Civil, yes. And I've never had <laughs> any any major issues. Typically, because we don't go into conversation trying to offend people, and and, and there is, I mean, this is probably yeah. You, what, what you're saying, I think, is important because this is a little bit of an unsung story right now. That in the Midwest, these issues are happening. That you are running into people sure. who uh, who are living what is called an alternative lifestyle. Sure. But I have been in the same situation as you, where you just ask some basic questions. You you say things like, you know, are, are you okay with the way we're going to be talking then? Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, and, and 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 you can have interactions that yeah. are that are reasonable, positive. Yeah. Um, and and that is never. I guess it's just not a good news story yeah. that that can happen, <laughs> but it is happening. It happens probably, uh, quite often. You know, yeah. and, and and that's that. I, I that I would say is just uh, it, the initial assessment you can see how somebody in Europe would be very oh, concerned yeah, because if absolutely. all you're seeing is the news coverage yeah. uh, and you don't know of any other towns yeah. than Portland Seattle Chicago right. New York right um, so there's more to America than that um, and and that's a, a great place uh, to go now this article uh, there's kind of two articles that I, I look at that will be our kind of uh, jumping off points to the major article so what we have here, it, he summarizes for us that there are a couple of big ideas uh, that are prevalent on the left mm-hmm. that are kind of fanning the flames yep. of illiberalism. Uh, postmodernism, mm-hmm. which rejects the ideas of modernity and the very notion of objective truth. And uh, full disclosure, both of both you and I believe in objective truth, Absolutely. not because of modernism, no. but because of Jesus, right. who uh, we believe truth is personal, right. that, that truth is beyond the satisfaction that the modernists believed that it was like a the truth was some distant idea that's like a ruler right. that's solid right. we believe truth is a person that you right. can relate to truth right um and that's deep uh yeah, so, truth speaks right and god speaks and and so we truth, we yeah. believe in objective truth that is it's like super objective right. it's also subjective because it's a right. person right. but it's Solid as it's revealed, anything. it's right. not discovered. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so that's that's where we come from. But look, if you don't know anything about postmodernism, um, for us who are in college ministry, this word has been we've been having oh, yeah. to talk about this word for twenty years. Yeah. And for about when I first heard it, and then for the next kind of five ten years, it didn't matter a whole lot. Right. Even in college ministry, because it was not much of a driving force in anybody's life. But no. now, since you're hearing about people saying uh, they're deconstructing, which means they're a deconstructionist, which right. is another form of postmodernism, uh, and that's happening in the church, yep. and uh, and then uh, people who are living entirely subjectively, meaning I have detached my life from thinking there is any objective meaning out there, boy, that makes for a different lifestyle. It makes yeah. for a whole different way of living. Yeah, and, and you know, postmodernism is a, it is a, re- a rejection of, of basically scientific community and things. And yeah, it is that as well. Because, you know, what, it, what ended up happening was is that, you know, science, while it's attempting to discover and, and develop technology, it also developed the atomic bomb, and it also developed these other things that were that killed many people. And mm-hmm. I think 
postmodernism is a rejection against just this idea that say what we listen to what we say because we have the authority, we have yeah. power. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know to be honest, that's been an issue with the church as well. It's like, well, well, why should I believe this? Because your parents told you to, or mm-hmm. because the pastor said so. Yeah. Never like, hey, let's discover this. Let's 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 look and find who Jesus is. Let's yeah. read through this and and talk about this. I think there's some positive things that come out of postmodernism that. There is a sense where we're not just assuming something. Right. There's a sense of like we need to to look at this and 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 ask some questions, and uh, it's okay to doubt some things. Um, but as this article talks about with postmodernism, you see that this 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 uh, this new I guess this seems like a especially right now a new revolution of Marxist thinking uh, ideas, right and. The probably the greatest strength of this article, and this article is sort of mixing in my head with an article I read uh, yesterday. Um, but you have to understand foundationally that uh, these these ideas uh, of postmodernism are not new in, in the sense of no. our lives, but right. historically they're fairly new in that two. 200 years old or so, and it so. takes a long time for yeah. uh, ideas that, for instance, brought up by Karl Marx to then right. get all the way down to the popular level right. and become actionable to where people begin to operate off of them. Because, you know, look, I mean, uh, these ideas that we've become uh, accustomed to, uh, modern ideas, well, they flowered in the 1500s, 1600s, really became yep. strong in the 1700s and didn't have much opposition until... Uh, Marx, which is the next major turn, and then it takes a while for them to overcome what, you know, look, there were a lot of positives about modernism to people, just solid, stable life foundations, uh, putting together scientific method, factories, and jobs, and art, and and culture, Um, and so... Yes, there are problems with modernity as well. Uh, we're not we're not promoting modernism as a philosophical theory either. Right. Um, but the dangers of postmodernism are not being trumpeted. Uh, it is a it is an unconcerned acceptance that you are seeing uh, in the streets right now. That if there is a revolution, it will definitely benefit and help us and everybody else. And it's yes. just kind of like, boy, that is a Yes. <laughs> that is a hypothesis that has been tested yes. and failed horribly I mean, the, in the, yeah. Soviet. <laughs> the, the, as we were talking before we started, the little man never, never is treated well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who's in power. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, once the Marxists took over in Russia, yeah, the czar was not great, just like any other king or emperor of the time. Right. But it's not like all of a sudden that Lenin and his stooges decided like giving out money and property right. to the. Right. To the little guy, right. they threw him into 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 war, into prisons and right. work camps and things like that. And Stalin continued that, and so did the next guy, and yeah. so did other Marxist ideas throughout the world. Um, p- many people died when they resisted or, or mm-hmm. didn't follow the, the the whatever the 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 Marxist standard idea was. And um, I, I don't think that's what people really. If they thought about it really once is um, this idea that well if we just get rid of this power we'll install a, a, a either a mob rule or a, just kind of pure democracy where whoever has the most people who, who support an idea get all the power um, it is it is interesting that we thought Marxism and 
kind of communistic ideas would die with the Soviet Union, but no, they are very much alive and well today. This, I think it's this idea, and I think it is an issue. There is a massive in, income inequality in yep. the United States. I think that's one of the major issues. You know, we had um, o- Occupy Wall Street, where this came back out again, and right. it was kind of like, and yeah, let's be honest, Wall Street made a lot of mistakes with the housing market, and the government bailed them out. Right. You know, and so the world, the, kind of the people saw that as like, okay, so you can mess up and still get your pensions and your massive million dollar right. bonuses and things like that. And I think that is an issue. Yes. Um, and I think you see some of the anger against that. And, and, and this, the, the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter seeing kind of police as kind of a, the kind of the, I don't know, the, the, the soldiers of the power. I think you, you see them saying, well, we need to get rid of the, this power structure and establish our own power structure. And again, what will happen is is that the the poor and the working class will continue to be poor and working class. Right. And um, that is kind of the, of all the different experiences with Marxism, that's proven to be always true. Right. And, and that's, a, again, now that's a major question that we're going to deal with in our times for certain. What are the limits of capitalism? What yeah. do we do oh, about yeah. income inequality and uh, health care being ridiculously expensive for the average person. Um, And and all this uh, relates to the second element of of Marxist ideas on the rise, which is critical theory or critical race theory, um, preoccupied with uncovering hidden power structures uh, that that divides the world into uh, oppressor and oppressed. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically what I say about critical race theory is it is an oversimplification. It is not that you can't ask questions about the world and go, well, if that person was oppressed, then maybe something should be done for them. And conversations of affirmative action and, and mm-hmm. assistance, yes, we, those can, can and should happen. But to oversimplify the entire world into oppressor and oppressed and then to say, now I know exactly what to do because I did one equation, which is uh, I divided by two. Mm-hmm. For, Oppressor and oppressed. It's just that's it's it's more complicated than that. Yeah. And um, and there's always going to be inequality. I, I you know, uh, some people are going to be smarter than other people, and they're going to get to go to the better schools. Yep. Um, that's just you know, we live in a we live in a, in, a, in a disparity of giftings. You know, some preachers are going to always be better preachers than me. There's just they're more talented than I sure. am. And there's going to be better writers. There's going to be better um, uh, salespeople. There's always better. There's people that are always going to be better or smarter. And there's just no. And that's going to create inequality and, and going to create a uh, opportunities that they may have that you you not, may right. not have or may, I may not have. And and I think there's a sense where it goes back into the human heart of, of envy and jealousy. Um, and self-focus, and what do I deserve? What am I entitled to? What is the power not giving me? What have they taken from sure, me? Sure. Um, and I think that's one of the issues with kind of the critical race theory, the Marxist ideas, that really the issues of the of the day is materialistic in nature, that they have more than I do, they have more money than I do, more opportunities than I do, and therefore I need more of, or I, I, I need equal amounts. Yeah. Um, and just to be honest, there is no equality uh, until Christ's kingdom <laughs> comes on earth. Right. And, and that's just the fact. And I think that goes back to 
this important objective truth yeah. that you mentioned about it's personal, it comes yeah. from God. Right. And, and so that is, I think, the inherent issue with Marxism yeah. um, is because you cannot create inequality based off of force. Inequality only comes through Christ. Right, and, and you know, we, what we have to uh, stand for is there should be uh, equality of opportunities. We should set up a system mm-hmm. where everyone does have an equal opportunity to to have many options mm-hmm. in their life, and we need to work on that. Sure. And that's the conversation that I think we should be having right now. Yeah. And I think what is being muddied is uh, things like, no, I want to jump to uh, equality of outcomes. Well, we can't do right. that. You can't just cut out the entire process that involves right. work ethic and agency and right. and involves uh outside help yeah yeah and, and so uh, that's where we are in in terms of this issue but it's not just an issue with the left uh and, and this is the conversation that that you may not hear on uh one of your major news outlets. The, the problem is not just located only on the left, that uh, there are some destructive old ideas, old meaning, well, very old, and then especially about 100 years ago, we had an uprising uh, on the, that was a right-wing uprising in, yeah, uh, in Germany. Oh, you, yeah, you, yeah, you may yeah, have yeah. heard of it. It yeah. was called the Nazi Party. Uh, <laughs> and so right-wing populism, a pure people taking on a corrupt elite, is actually on the rise as well. Mm-hmm. And it is reactionary. Uh, the I would say both of these are reactionary movements. Uh, reactionary. Fascism, fascism and yeah, yeah, Marxism. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and so there are synagogues, synagogue shooting. There was a synagogue shooting by a real white supremacist. This happened within the last, you know, few months. You may not have heard of it, but it's hard to keep up with all the news and all the bad things that are happening. And it's bad for your emotional and mental health to keep up with all the bad things that are happening. Um, but anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism uh, are shared by the right and the left at different times, uh, depending. Um, you know, look, the, the Jews are another set of uh, group of people that if you want to have conversations about sometimes up, sometimes down, uh, this is a people who has experienced their share of rough times, but has plenty of abilities to rise, and that just makes them a target in, yeah. in various ways throughout our present time and throughout history. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this, now this, uh, I, I said that I, I thought earlier this this fellow Daniel Schwamenthal may have made an overstatement, but I think this is an understatement. He says, America is headed for unprecedented polarization and possibly civil unrest. Oh, we're already way past civil unrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what we should expect, and this is just, I think, a, a preparation for us and for everybody that, you know, look, we, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. I mean, it just will. Yeah. We, we do not be, we're not looking like we have arrived at any answers yet. And, um, and that's, that's okay because we are people who have a solid foundation. We... We are the movement that, that we follow. Jesus came into a world that was as brutal as it could get mm-hmm. as a vulnerable baby and brought into that world that knew nothing of sacrificial love. This understanding that the only way you change anybody's heart yeah. is one, the work of the Holy Spirit's already there, and two, live sacrificially and you will right. see hearts changed every day. Yeah. And, and so that's where we live and we have the way forward. And, yeah, I think. Uh, I, I believe America is 
very polarizing, and I, I, I get. But America's America's always been that way. I That's think true. That's I what think we do. The mistake to think that uh, the 1776 generation was like perfectly in line and that's just not the truth right like at all <laughs> right. um and that that polarization that they they experience and they disagreed with each other on more than more issues than just slavery yes uh, on a lot of different issues i mean they they fought over um should the country have its own bank should it should mm. it uh, should it um take all the debts of the states and, and the federal government take over the debt like yes. that was an issue like yes very polarizing yes. issues and and, um, you know, should they side with the British or the French? Like, yeah. all of these issues were very polarizing yeah. in, that, in that first generation of Americans. And that continued into the 1860s. Yeah. And, and polarization continued in America. And there are times where we have unified, but usually it's because of a war yeah. or a certain event that has kind of brought us together. And we say we're Americans. But at the end of the day, Americans identify with, as we said, with their tribe. Mm-hmm. And if you come from where I come from, like in the Bible about in the South, there's a certain tribalism and mm-hmm. certain way of speaking and certain political views that are pretty common. If you go to other parts of the country, it's different. But so interesting when you actually sit down with someone who's, who maybe thinks differently than you or comes from a different world, you sit down and you talk. Typically, rarely do anyone get shot yeah. or get in a massive fight. And I think... Um, uh, I think I think this is uh, you know this I think the only way forward for America to move past its civil unrest is for people to stop caring so much about their own I don't know their own little tribe or their own little world yeah. and, and start to think of uh, I wonder what it's like for someone who lives in the inner city of the Bronx or something like that sure. what is it like for them um, uh, and I think and only then can there be any way forward? And I think, I think, I think most Americans still, as you said, I think that the foundations are there. And I think for most Americans, they, they still think working hard, taking care of your family, um, taking care of your neighbors and being an upright person. I think it's still key and important. Um, the issue is, is that, you know, do people still, are people still going to think that? down the road are people mm-hmm. going to still think that I need to care about my family I need to care about I need to work hard and I need to care take care of the people around me will people continue to have those values mm-hmm. that's the question yep. that I don't know if and I think this this you know David Strong whatever his, his last <laughs> name is I think that's kind of the fear is like what is Americans value sure and will those values continue into the future well and that and and that is the question we're asking right now, but I think we're not waiting long for the answer, and we have to wait for the answer. Yeah. What do Americans now value? Uh, we really are in the middle of asking this question. Are we going to have a pluralistic society where right. we actually will let each other be here, and and can we respect each other enough to go, you know what, you have opinions, and I'm not going to have so much suspicion of you that when you talk, I have to just demonize you. Right. Uh, that, that I'm going to have to figure out, you know, tolerance used to mean uh, I, you and I are different, but I'm going to respect you enough because we have to live in the same place. Tolerance tends now to mean a very foolish idea, like maybe we can both be right. 
Yeah. Well, that's not the case. Yeah. Nobody believes that. <laughs> but that's what a lot of people seem to right. mean by the idea of tolerance. Tolerance is not uh, tolerance in that that sense right there is not a Christian idea in any way, shape, or form. We right. are we're to love people, sacrifice right. for people. Right. If I tolerate somebody, it's just keep your distance, and right. I don't want to have much to do with you. That's right. not a, we're not about that. Um, and, and but here's the last thing that he says that I I agree with, but not probably for the reason that he might think. He says America today is what it has always been, a flawed society like all others, but also a unique force for good in the world. Now, for a long time, I, I, as a typical person, I think, uh, of our age, I didn't do too much looking into what does it mean to be an American, nor did I have strong opinions about it. But look, I don't have, I don't believe that America is a city on a hill in the sense that the church is a city on the hill, the way that, frankly, Ronald Reagan put forward yeah, sure. and, and has been living in, in our, our country as an idea. Look, America came along at a unique time in history and then took a while to get our act together, politically speaking, but then when the world needed us, mm-hmm. we, we showed up yeah. and were a huge positive force in World War II. Yeah. And people need to be willing to ask the honest question, can we still be that today? And, and I think we can, but yeah. we're not on track to be mm-hmm. uh, because we do need to figure out who we are, uh, yes, we can take into stock where, what our past is and admit to our wrongs and then say, well, but everyone, we're here today with the situation as it is, and there may be some things we need to change. There may be questions about Native Americans and African Americans that we say, this is probably what we should do. Okay, okay. Yeah. But there is still today, it's a volatile world. And one clarifying thing that he adds to that statement is, if America goes to war within itself, we know who will fill the leadership vacuum. Moscow, Beijing, and Tehran, that is yes. Russia, China, and uh, Iran, Iran, Iran yeah. surely can't believe their luck. And that is absolutely true. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Today, today in China, Uyghur Muslims are being put, shaved headed onto trains and shipped to concentration camps. Mm-hmm. And guess what? There's not an NBA owner who will speak against that. No. Because no. it's not in their interests. No, nor, nor Hollywood production company. That's right. Yeah. And uh, if you think America is so corrupt that you want to abdicate the world to that kind of regime, I just disagree with you. I, yeah. I disagree. I don't think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you're, I think what, what, what do Americans value ultimately? And I, I do struggle if, you know, if a, if a World War II-type scenario happened, would America have the stomach to do what's needed? And I, I have a hard time answering that question. Yeah. Um, just the, the even the coronavirus, I think, has exposed a lot of a lot of um, termite, ter- termite damage or mm-hmm. mold in the yep. American society. Yes. I think the inability for for people to to number one, and, and I'm not going to go on some like anti-mask or pro-mask spiel here, but the the, 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 the that's an issue. It's an issue. <laughs> The, the, the idea that that it seems like Americans, number one, they, they you know they don't trust their government, even uh, they don't trust it at all. They think um, you know if 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 it if it affects my individual rights, then therefore um, you know I, I'm not going to follow this. Yeah. I think that's a real struggle because yeah. if the government has to call you to arms, that's against your civil rights. Yeah. I, I yeah I. I think um, you know, and that, I think it's a it's a it's a huge issue, and I think America has definitely lost its global leadership, yeah. and I don't know how they're going to get it back. 
you know, it, really, though, uh, there, are, there are elements of that that I think are just as simple as resources, uh, as, sure. unfortunately, military power. And, and so um, we'll see what happens in the next election. Um, but I, I really think all of the op-ed columns that we have read genuinely – now, look, we have lost stat, status and standing in the last few years, but I don't think – it's gone for good. Yeah, sure. And, and until um, I, I, I hope and I pray uh, that our country does begin to uh, faithfully and consistently ask hard questions and make solid moves on on how to mend fences and how to get along yes. and, and work uh, yes. better. I, I mean, I hope that for everyone, this has raised questions for you. Like, do I know my neighbors as well as I ought to? Because mm-hmm. that's a good question for a Christian to be asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we we should be knowing and loving our neighbors. Yeah. Uh, and, and so if we're doing that, that's a good thing, and uh, there's still a lot of hope here for that. Yeah. Now, the second story, I think, is not as—what's um, what's good about this story— global. Right, and it's easier <laughs> to get your head around, because it's a personal story about this this man that wrote it, Joshua Katz. This is—I yeah. uh, survived cancellation at Princeton by Joshua Katz. Where where was this story? Where did it come out of? Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal. This is the paper yesterday, I believe. Um, and, and his story is basically uh, this— at Princeton, uh, there was a movement that uh, that is an anti-racist movement by its demarcation, and he read their manifesto and the, and what they were planning to do, and he opposed their plan. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he starts uh, is saying that he has survived cancellation, and he asks, "What counts as justice, and how can we fashion an equitable?" Societies, And he, sa- he gives a great summary of why this happens on college campuses. He says, because students like to push boundaries and professors like to argue, colleges and universities are a crucible uh, for cancel culture and for these sorts of ideas. Um, here is what he opposed. Uh, he opposed plans to, and this is, what, this is a quote that was in uh, the manifesto of this, this new group, uh, They plan to constitute a committee composed entirely of faculty that would oversee the investigation and discipline of racist behaviors, incidents, research, and publication on the part of faculty uh, and give guidelines on what counts as racist behavior, incidents, research, and publication uh, will be authored by a faculty committee for incorporation into the same set of rules and procedures. Now, uh, first we should say... Yes, we are against racist thoughts. Yes. But this, if you didn't catch it, is, is thought police. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it just is. Yep. Uh, we, are, we are back again. You and I weren't alive during this time, but my sense as I was reading this is that, oh, goodness, uh, cons- being concerned that there's a communist in your midst. I know. Uh, is is not an, uh, a world that I've lived through, but we're about to <laughs> not long ago. learn what that's like. And, 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 and now, look, we talked earlier about motives. I do not believe that... I, I believe there was some good motivation when people wrote this. Yeah, sure. But what uh, Joshua Katz said was, this is going to cause a civil war because this is a... This is a playbook from 1984. Uh, this is yeah. thought, thought crimes, investigating backgrounds, showing evidence of thought crimes. Uh, because, because, look, as Protestants, being the people who mm-hmm. protested, there's a danger in being Protestant that you become known by what you're against rather than what you're for. And mm-hmm. the danger in this is, how do you prove a crime that is... That is 
only evidenced by the thoughts in your head, uh, and then when you talk about uh, concept creep and what we were talking about earlier, that your terms aren't clearly defined, right. anybody you know could not only be a racist, anybody that you know might be able to be proved as a racist if you just have access to maybe a Twitter feed, a Facebook account. I mean, yeah. the, the terms aren't, this is the issue, the terms aren't clear. And so if you want to do a character assassination on somebody, you have the means, all it takes is the time. Yeah. And, and so, look, he, he said, I can't stand for this. And it didn't look like, it looked like he would be fired. He nearly got canceled at mm-hmm. Princeton. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think... Um I think I think you're right. I think the 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 problem is is that, and especially in an academic world where the the, the point of the world is to challenge yeah. status quo, because if you're not challenging status quo, you don't have a point. You don't have a purpose. Yeah. I mean, there's no point to write a new book, a new research, a new study mm-hmm. if you're not pushing against the status quo. And so, I think and that's why it's so interesting that the. The academic world, like in the in the, I would say for most of the twentieth century, was always pushing against the status quo. But now the academic world's like we've established the status quo, and no one could push against the status quo yeah. any longer. That just that that creates a, a huge problem based off its prior existence and prior history. Um, and you know, I've read things in the past where, especially like in the drama department, they'll put on a on a on a, on a play or, or, or some type of uh, show, and maybe the show has an element of a racist character. Uh-huh. Well, while the the point or the the core content of the story is not to support or affirm, it just has the character in it that could be considered as racist content. Sure. So, like, how you defining things is so huge here because sure. one person can say, well, yeah, that's not saying, that's not affirming the Ku Klux Klan or it's not affirming homophobism or anything like that. It just has a character or an idea in the show. And someone would say, well, that is racist or that's homophobic or whatever sure. it is. And that just is, it creates a very slippery slope okay. of, and of what is actual racist comments what isn't racist comments what is actual racist ideas what isn't racist ideas uh and it just creates a a total mess and i think it goes back to what we were talking about before and we'll get into later is it depends on who the person who's speaking and that's where it comes down to if if the person speaking or the person presenting is someone who sides with you, well, you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. If they're not, you're not going to give them the benefit right. of the doubt. And so they get canceled. Right. Uh, and there's just, there's no defense. Right. There's no appeal. It's just a quick, uh, quick statement of, of judgment. And then the person is dismissed. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's a concern to, to pull something out of context and to use it against uh, someone because of a motivation that, that you have uh, against them is what cancellation is, and it is easy to do. Yeah. Uh, it is easy to do. Uh, and so uh, to close the Joshua Katz story, there was a claim that he had placed uh, black colleagues, students, and alums at serious risk. So there you have the word risk. Risk of right. what? Harm. Of harm of what? Well, of, of a kind that matters. Uh, we would not define these uh, terms Clearly, uh, and so it said that Princeton was going to look into his background. Uh, Didn't he call like a black the Black Justice League a terrorist group? He did. Yeah, he did. A terrorist organization. Right. So there was a um, an, a a group 
uh, on campus uh, that he opposed. The, the group is now defunct, mm-hmm. and uh, yes, the Black Justice League uh, was a group that I think a lot of people would have problems <laughs> with, but on the college campus, this was not a group that just the average person would oppose, and uh, and he did, and so this nearly got him fired, Uh but then he raised a stink when Princeton said it was going to look into his background and said, you know, look, free speech is dying at Princeton, and I am a great example of how that's happening, and, and was able uh, to raise enough uh, awareness of what was happening to him that his opponents have now backed off. And so that's uh, why he writes uh, this story. Well, he said here the reason why he thought his words were justified, he says... Uh I understand why some were offended by them, but I write in good faith, expecting my response would contribute to a necessary discussion on campus, even even more necessary than I had realized. So again, as a professor, a professor of classics, or right. whoever, you, you see an issue, you have issues against it, you use blunt terminology to raise an issue yes. to discuss it. That's what yes. you do in the academic world. That's the whole point well, that's of these guys. That's what you do guys. in the journalism world yeah. and in the world of YouTube and social media. You're, you use... Yeah. You use language that is that's strong to draw attention to. That's I correct. think that's how you how you do things, and I think it creates a huge issue. Yeah, if you're in the journalistic world, the academic world, um, uh, any uh, newsmaking world, whatever it is, if you are unable to use language that is, I mean, blunt. Yep. Uh, polarizing in some ways, yeah. I think it's a huge issue. I'm not, I'm not g- giving people the right to say the N word or the other word. These are horrific words, evil words, and people shouldn't use them. But there's other ways to present language that there's, aren't that way. And that's I'm right. not saying that using that word, but also uh, showing awareness of that this is this group. I disagree, and this is how I see them. Yep. And I'm like, well, are they really a terrorist group? Yep. Well, let's go read into some of their stuff. And you start reading. Oh wow. Maybe they really are. Right. And, yeah. and so one of the things we're navigating, and now we get into the meat of what we're discussing. Uh, the next article is by Ross Douthat. It's called 10 Theses About Cancel Culture. It was an op-ed from just about a couple weeks ago. Um, because what we really are dealing with is the Internet is a technological revolution that is also a cultural revolution. Mm-hmm. It has created fundamental human issues like how do we manage our attention given that we have finite time and basically infinite information available to us, well, the answer so far has been you overstate your premise and you overblow your story and then people will read it. But what we're finding is people get too excited Mm -hmm. uh, and aren't clear about the facts Mm -hmm. and then they act Mm -hmm. based upon that unclear thinking. And the only thing that happens next is, well, if you want to get an excited person's attention, you just have to be louder than them. And so we're living in that echo chamber that is not, it's almost odd to think about because we talk a lot about echo chambers now, but it's like, you want to characterize that echo chamber? It's incredibly loud and increasingly getting louder because that's the only way to get the attention of a person who is hyperactive and, and, and hyperstimulated. Right. And that's not good for humans. That's not good for people to live. And so we have to figure out how to, how to operate given the world that we now live in. Mm. And, and so this is why I think as you and I were talking about uh, what, this is Matt Castro. Thanks for listening to part one of Everybody Cancels. Stay tuned for part two that will be posted later on this week. Thanks for listening to Empires of the Future. See you in the future.